You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt. And I'd like to begin by calling in the spirits to join us today to help us in all that we do. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine. I call out to those people who went before us, those men and women who lived lives just like ours in their own time. So I call out to all those who bring that which is good and true and beautiful into our lives, who bring us the legacy, the wisdom, the blessing, the teachings of those who have gone before us. And I call out to these ancestors to stand around us, to hold us, to be with us in our day and to whisper in our ears and to help us to go beyond where they went, to advance the dreaming, to expand the vision, and to express ourselves into the ways that humanity has been afraid to go before. Let us not continue to repeat the patterns of our ancestors that we know lead to a dead end for life. But let us have these ancestors with us in each day that we might have the courage to innovate and create something new. So we call out to these ancestors to stand with us here today and to circle round. We reach down through our bodies and our bellies into the earth, all the way to the very center of the earth, and we give thanks for the wonder of this day, for the awe and the beauty and the blessing. We give thanks for life and for the interconnectedness of all things, which gives us always the possibility of change and transformation. So we reach into the earth, the being, and we call her up into our lives and draw up into ourselves the energy of belonging and connection and grounding, the energy of home and hearth. We call out to the earth to help us to feel the interconnection of all things and the oneness of all things, which is the great genius and majesty and magnificence of her dreaming, for it is her dream of life that we are all enjoying in this day. So we give thanks to the earth and we ask her to help us with her powerful wisdom of manifestation, how to bring life into diverse forms in a good way for all living things. So we call up this wisdom of the earth into our bodies and draw this wisdom up from our hearts and our minds and extend all the way out through all the layers of the sky, all the way up to the highest power of the universe, reaching all the way through the cosmos and all the wonders of the great cosmos that we live in. We reach all the way up. And by whatever name you call that highest power, I ask you to call it in into yourself, into your day and into these proceedings. As we draw down the energy of the sky, we call into ourselves protection and blessing. We call in generosity and benevolence, and we draw into ourselves all of the wisdom of the cosmos, that we might feel inspiration and innovation, illumination and creativity, and that we may notice those places where we feel suffocation and have the courage to breathe, to release and breathe. 
So we call out to the energy of the sky to come into our lives, into our bodies, to mix and merge with the energy of the earth and to come into the exact right balance for us in this day to bring us into wholeness and well-being. And with these energies alive and dancing and merging within us, we call out the spirit of the heart. And we ask the heart to be with us today, big and full, all the four chambers of the heart awakened with our consciousness. And we ask the heart to stand in its most powerful and magical capacity, which is to hold the fiery passions of the belly and the crystal clear clarity of the mind and to draw the energies of the other chakras into the center to let them merge and dance and move in such a way that they can inform each other and balance each other and bring each other into the birth of our own unique genius. And may you find in your hearts the courage to bring that genius into the world in some small or large way today. And may we bring our gifts. May we find the courage of heart to do so. So with these spirits gathered round and our own heart spirit awakened, I ask that we receive what we need in this day to do what we've been called to do. I ask that what needs to be said is said and what needs to be heard can be heard and that these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. I want to give great thanks to those of you that are doing all that you can to help the show stay alive and well and vital and interesting. Uh, Speaking of that, I could certainly use some really juicy questions to inspire new shows for you all. I want specifically to thank Sherry and Renata and Deb and Cecilia and Nate and Walter. I want to thank all of you for your financial donations this week. If this show is meaningful to you listening here today in any way, even if it moves you in the heart into irritation or frustration, but if this show moves your heart in any way, I ask you to allow yourself to be moved to do something to strengthen the show. Whether that's a financial donation through whyshamanismnow.com, you can just go to the website and push the support button. And if you don't feel comfortable paying online, you are welcome to send me an email. I'd be happy to send you a mailing address. Um, But also do all of the things that are part of our contemporary lives that help something to grow in our lives, to share these ideas, to journey on them with your journey circles, to expand uh, the experience of these teachings, and then to get back to me, to send me emails, to send me questions, and help the show to stay vital for you all who are listening, who are the audience, and to help it to spark the questions that I haven't even thought myself to ask yet. And so I ask you all to continue doing what you are doing, and I give thanks to you and great gratitude for all that is happening to help this show grow and be vital and be meaningful to us in our lives today. So today's show is planting the seeds of your soul's purpose. And I was inspired journeying about this show last week because it was a gorgeous spring day and it was warm and my little bulbs I planted were starting to come up and it was exquisite. The irony, of course, of spring in Oregon is today I woke up to an inch of snow. (laughs) It's snowing and blustery and cold outside today. So (laughs) very, very uh, welcome to spring in Oregon. You get all five seasons randomly through every single week for about three months that spring in Oregon. <laughs> you never know what to wear or what shoes to have on. Anyway, uh, so for today's show, 
about planting the seeds of your soul's purpose, we are live this week. And you are invited to call in at 512-772-1938 or to Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site or email us at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. Oh, and an update on the website. I don't believe we are currently selling Viagra any longer from the Last Mass Center website. However, in all of the machinations to make this happen, the website is woefully out of date, and I'll work on that this week. But we do have classes coming up um, that we're registering for now. And if you want the straight information, just feel free to contact me or Andrea at lastmasscenter.org. If you go to the site through your web browser, you won't be forced to look at Viagra. You can actually get to the site. Um, so that's that's in, in process. And thank you all for your emails that alerted me to the problem. And um, and some of you who even offered uh, advice as how to fix it. I really appreciate that because it is definitely not my path of mastery. <laughs> um, so our soul's purpose energy, I believe, is an actual energy that lives in our body. That is deep within the root of our being where we carry our piece of that original spark of life. In, in shamanic creation mythology... There is um, nothingness, and there are many different versions of this story of the very, very beginning, but it begins with a vast and un, ununderstandable nothingness. There's no space, there's no time, and out of that comes life because that great mystery dreamt is usually how it's explained in shamanism. Now, of course, there are corollaries of this in religious explanations of the creation mythology as well because humans are humans, but anyway – um, the point is there was a spark, whether it was a word, whether it was a dream, it doesn't matter what it was, but something brought that first spark of the fire of life into existence one way or another. And whatever story you believe in and how that spark got here, what I believe through shamanism, through the teachings of the spirits in my life and what I just know to be true in my body is that that spark of life, a tiny piece of that spark of life exists in every living thing. It's in every stone, it's in every plant, it's in every person, and it is in every living thing equally. It expresses itself differently. Um, I, I like to imagine that my life is somewhat different than that of the beautiful stone that is out in the front of my garden. <laughs> and it is different still from the quince that is blooming right now and the cedar that stands and holds the space. Yet each of these things is enlivened by this spark. And that some version of that story is part of most shamanic creation mythology. And so I believe that that spark is ours to tend in our own life and that to tend that spark is, is almost more than any human can actually do in a life. But if we do it, our lives can be magnificent and legendary, even if they are humble and small lives, lived well with the animals and the plants and the people right around us. But that this spark is ours to tend. And the tending of that spark is the point of our life. It is the energy that, that enlivens in us our understanding of our soul's purpose. I don't actually believe rocks bother with soul's purposes. I think that they get to do rock things that I don't understand until I come here as a rock and trees get to do tree things. I don't really think other, other living things have to bother with this whole soul's purpose thing, but we do. And when we don't, sad, horrible, painful things happen in life. And so I really believe what 
the shamans believe all around the world, which is that this spark of life that carries in it the energy that ignites in us our knowing of our soul's purpose, which is a memory in our heart of why we chose to come, that all of this is why. It answers the question of why we are here, and so we need to tend that spark. So that spark can be, as, as we as a human move through the seasons of life, though, each cycle of each year, there's a time, and I did a whole lot of shows about this, of going inward in the winter. But what happens in the springtime, you know, just like the bulbs in the ground and the buds on the trees, that spark of your soul's purpose wants to rise up and out of you. It wants to blossom into an expression of your unique gifts in the world. In other words, I believe... I will say this very clearly. I believe our soul comes with a profound need. I don't believe that the body is some beastly thing that has all these needs that drive us to addiction and distraction and that the soul is some pristine, angelic quality that is all love and light and just gets tripped up by the horrible needs of the body. I don't believe that. I think that that is a part of the great lie of separation. I believe that the body is divine as is the spirit. And that the body has human needs, certainly, but it has great wisdom and great divinity and great nobility. And that the spirit, though it is of energy and it does come with love and light and all those wonderful angelic qualities, the spirit comes into the human body with a profound need to live this purpose because we are an expression of the oneness This is a window of life that the oneness does not yet know. And we are driven by that oneness to live this soul's purpose in its unique way. And I believe it is the soul that arrives with that need. And that the soul comes into the body to gain the possibility for the manifestation of that unique genius. And this is is my understanding from the spirit world of why we are here. And this has been a question I have asked since I was three. And so this is the answer that I'm working with. And I'm sticking to it because so far it's not, it's working pretty well. (laughs) So anyway, so here in the Northern Hemisphere, in theory, we're coming out of weather, uh, out of the winter. I'm looking at the snow coming down outside and wondering if that is actually true. But we are. I trust that we are coming out of winter. And as we explored in at least three of the shows last December, that winter is a time for rest and restoration. It is the time to release those dreams that no longer call to our hearts and to gestate those that are or those that could call deeply to our hearts. So in the winter, we are called naturally to go into the realm of darkness and love and dreams and into that deep well of the source. And we are there to remember the essence of why we are here and the true nature we have been given to make our soul's purpose manifest. So what happens if we don't use the winter to burrow like a bear deep within and risk our darkness and uncertainty? What happens to us when we don't do that in the winter? What happens when we decide that we don't have time to risk uncertainty or questioning or our tears in that darkness? Well, what happens is we don't release those old dreams. We don't risk dreaming a new dream. We don't let go of that which we really have realized is no longer calling to our heart. 
no longer calling. It's no longer the calling of our soul. And there's um, um, Paleo, uh, Paulo Calejo, I think that's right, um, in, the, in his blog.com, has a blog about killing your dreams. And I believe that this is what begins to happen each winter, that we do not sink into that return and restore ourselves as we start to create a way of being in the world that kills our dreams. And his little blog is about that. But at the very end, he says, when we renounce our dreams and find peace, we go through a short period of tranquility. But the dead dreams begin to rot within us and to infect our entire being. We become cruel to those around us. And then we begin to direct this cruelty against ourselves. That's when illness and psychosis arise. What we sought to avoid in combat, the disappointment and defeat, they come up, they come upon us because of our cowardice. And one day, the dead, spoiled dreams make it difficult to breathe. Ooh, it's so scary. <laughs> Ooh, dead dreams, yuck. Ugh. So, Let us not suffocate in the stagnation of our dead dreams. Now, 2012, that is the now we are in. 2012 is not the time for that. It is a time for risk, for risking everything, for one true dream that will carry you into our magnificent and profoundly uncertain future. Let us risk remembering why we are here and risk everything now to bring that into manifestation i believe that is the only way that we can align with what is happening in this time we have chosen to be alive and this brings us to springtime at least here in the northern hemisphere so what is the deal with springtime why do we feel alternately inspired by a crocus and then angry and irritated by the smallest thing right next to the crocus Why does the woman with that ample and shapely buttocks or that man with that limp and funny smile suddenly invade our daydreams uh, when we never even noticed them before? Why do we cry or rage over the smallest things? And why do we feel the need to purge everything and begin again? What is the deal with springtime? In part, this is because springtime is liver time, as we call it in my household, It is the time in the cycle of the year that the liver is cleansing, nourishing, and expressing itself in its own natural yearly cycle. And if it can't do that, if it can't cleanse and nourish and express itself because of the choices we are making in terms of what we're doing with our time and what we're putting into our bodies, then the liver begins to call out strongly for a need to detox literally, physically. So springtime is the time that the dreamer is waking up. In Chinese medicine, the liver-gallbladder pair are the dreamer and the manifester. So they're part of the wood element, and the wood element is strong and flexible and upward rising, and that's the nature of the wood. Um, And this is the expression of the dreamer waking up and the manifester moving to make it happen. So the liver is the dreamer and energetically the liver in the body from a Chinese medicine perspective is called on to disseminate chi where it is needed it is the general in a sense it wants to marshal your chi into your dreams into why you are here it's listening to the soul 
So this is the soul's need. This is why we are here. And so the liver is the general. It's, it's trying to organize the body to listen to the soul and to manifest what the soul needs to do, which is the dream, the dream of our soul's purpose and why we are here. And so the general then wants to marshal your chi into those dreams, into why you are here. The liver doesn't make chi, it doesn't build chi, it doesn't store chi, it doesn't do what the other organs do energetically. It's purely about the energetic quality of sending the chi out to support the manifestation of why you are here. So if you aren't living anywhere near why you are here, liver, the liver can be really cranky in the springtime. And you can get angry at the smallest little things like losing your parking place and um, dropping your keys in the gutter and tripping over the curb. I mean, you can just be outrageously angry at these things because the liver is trying, the general is trying to marshal the forces towards the reason you are here and you're making all these other choices. On the other hand, springtime can be glorious if you are aligned with your dream and live in a way that doesn't lead to a huge need for the liver to detox spring can be extremely inspiring time because the dreamer is waking up and the chi is being marshaled towards your dreams and new ideas come in and all that work you did in the winter to throw off those old dreams and clear the space and restore your energy to the source you've got forces for the liver for the general to marshal And so spring can be enormously exciting and inspiring and lustful and and great. And then, of course, most of us are doing some of both of that. And so spring's really confusing because we're flipping back and forth between the inspiration and the frustration and welcome to springtime. So the gallbladder is the manifester and it really um, is not quite so much – of the point really of today's show, but just to understand that the gallbladder, the the relationship between the dreamer, the liver and the gallbladder, the manifester is this movement then from the internal energy channels of the liver to the outer body channels of the gallbladder. So they run on the outside of the body and the structure and the physical nature of the body and the gallbladder receives the order from the general and does it. And this is all energetically, of course. So after our long winter sleep, we are awakening the body to cleanse it and getting it, getting it ready to take off in the spring. Just like the plants and the animals and everybody else because, of course, we're all part of this great, gorgeous, diverse web of life. And so we're waking up and cleansing and getting ready to go out there like everything else. The challenge comes when we haven't done our due diligence to ourselves and our dreams over the winter. We haven't sorted out the old dreams. We haven't cleansed away the dead dreams. And it is really problematic to wake up from a great dream in your winter sleep with a vision you cannot wait to manifest. And there's all this crap in the way, all these things left undone and issues that you avoided instead of really dealing with and that nagging promise you made to your heart that you broke again, just like the year before. So this is the complex challenge of springtime. 
And that is the challenge of finding as the dreamer awakens and the general's ready to marshal the forces into the dream that there's all this stuff in the way and the energy can't get moved where it wants to go and the dreamer can't move the energy and the manifester can't manifest it. And inside ourselves, we start to churn. So that's the deal with spring. The dreamer is awakening and we are inspired by the buds and the blossoms and the lengthening of the sunshine. And then the general is stumbling over dead dreams and unfinished business of the year or perhaps a lifetime and the general isn't happy. So this is also why, energetically speaking, anger is associated with the liver when it's in a um, need, need to detox state. So if you feel anger and irritation in the springtime, or you tend toward anger or irritation all the time, now would be a great time for you to do a liver detox. And I mean that literally, not spiritually. I mean spiritually too, but I mean it literally. And I suggest that you do this under the care of an alternative healthcare professional. I don't suggest that people necessarily just launch into liver detoxes without some sort of plan or, or protocol to follow. Um, but there are many, and I don't necessarily recommend one. I do a liver detox every year, and I have now for probably 15 years and um, it has been a a keystone, a cornerstone in my ability to continue to change and transform and to keep up just with the pace of life, much less all the shamanic work that is going on in my life. That I believe that in our contemporary life with all of the stresses that are simply part of our everyday normal contemporary life without even adding all of the particular stresses going on in this time, I believe that there are very few of us that live in a way that we don't need to offer that assistance to the general to detox the liver to help get the old boxes of old dreams and dead stuff and rotting this and icky that out of the way so that the general can move the forces and the manifester can manifest the dream. And it's one of the the greatest gifts you can give to yourself right now in the Northern Hemisphere is three weeks of liver detox. And if you begin to do that every year and support the liver every year, really profound changes can be made over time. And so I strongly encourage that. Um, and, and also that you warn people in your life that you are doing a liver detox because there's always that phase of that detox where you're just really cranky and grumpy. And it'll happen and you need to just let those energies out and try to do it uh, without harming others. And if you do, use the words your mom taught you, I am sorry and thank you for being patient with me. And please, is there something that I can do to make amends? Please, the magic words, please, I'm sorry and thank you. All right, so that's springtime, and that's my sense of the physical path of springtime. So let's talk about putting spirit to work on our behalf. Since we are co-creating this reality, um, it's important to work in both worlds, in the physical world and the spirit world. So let's consider an earth ritual for planting the seeds of your soul's purpose. One of the coolest things that um, I saw, I don't remember when we went, recently though, to Arizona is we saw all of this rock art that was purely about preserving the people's growing wisdom about how to succeed in planting 
and it was critically important when there weren't any grocery stores to succeed in your planting. And so this idea of planting seeds is something that we have lost for a large part, those of us who do not garden and do not grow food or do not grow flowers or do not have a connection. And I haven't had a connection to these kinds of things, really, not deeply at least, until recently. So it's not that you're good or bad for it. I'm just reminding us that as contemporary American people, many of us have very little understanding of the power and the potential in planting a seed, sticking this little thing that doesn't look anything like what you want in the end into the dirt and walking away and trusting that something will come of it. And then the piece that we don't really understand as contemporary people, but we need to understand as shamanic people, is that we're giving this possibility our hopes and our dreams to the earth, literally, physically, giving it to the earth and asking the earth to perform its magic. And one, we, we often uh, forget about the earth as an elemental energy that creates transformation in ritual. I mean, one of the few earth rituals that I hear people talking about is simply where you bury yourself alive overnight or something like that. And that's very dramatic and very powerful and a very important aspect of the earth ritual. But in, our, in the drama of that and the drama of fire rituals and the drama of water rituals and even air rituals, we forget the subtle and profound power of the earth that is everywhere and every single living thing would be without life, without it. And we forget. So let's remember. This spring, let's remember the power of planting the seeds of your soul's true purpose. And in that way, then the seeds can take root and blossom. Now for that to happen, we must first prepare the soil. So the preparation of your soil, of your inner soil for the seeds of your soul's purpose has two parts. The first is what I was just trying to talk about, which is the essence of the soil, the essence of the earth elementally, the magic, the the power that is uniquely of the earth. In other words, you don't plant things in the air, right? I mean, there are actually some air plants, but don't they seem like they must have come from another planet? Right here, we plant things in the earth, right? And then the second part of preparing the soil is fertilizer. Okay, so, but we're talking about ourselves, right? Our inner soil, our inner earth element. So given that then, let's talk about the essence of the soil or the kind of um, nutrient structure of the soil or what it is that is the essence of earth, earth, right? So the essence energies then are the way we would talk about it as humans. They are the things in life we cannot live without. It's something we need to perhaps meditate on or journey on or ponder for a bit, right? Um, So this is part of the preparation of this ritual of planting the seeds. Um, But what you want to ask yourself is what are the two, maybe three things in life, maybe only one, but what are these things in life that if they were absent from the world, life would not be worth living. So this isn't about a person. 
This isn't about if your child was absent from the world, your life wouldn't be worth living or your partner in some way. And it's not about your job, uh, even though it's wonderful if you have a job that you care that much about. But an essence energy is like virtue or innovation or freedom or love or truth. There's a whole lot of people actually who will tell you that they they serve the truth. I mean, now granted, it's also become a... um, I can't even think of the word. People use that as an excuse all the time for doing horrible things. But the truth is there are many people who are motivated strongly by revealing the truth, which means truth is an essence energy that they serve in this life. I've met people who serve life as the essence energy, and they do it in different ways, but they, they, that is the thing that they serve with their life. Others um, who serve freedom. But there are many essence energies. There aren't, you know, this is a really strong primary relationship, right? So you can't be, you know, having eight essence energies on this list. But you want to find the one, two, or three things that are truly the essence. If it was suddenly sucked out of the world in every way, you would just collapse because life would not be worth living. Okay, that's an essence energy. And you need to understand at least one essence energy to prepare the inner soil of yourself to receive the seeds of your soul's purpose. What essence do you serve in this life? And if you've never even thought about this before, just try to, try to tune in on one and use that one essence energy to sort of um, turn it into the soil plow it into the soil of yourself to begin to really resonate with this essence energy and think about it and find uh, ways to remind yourself about it. Um, Make it a a wallpaper on your phone for a while or something. Anyway, um, so that's the first part of preparing the soil. Now, the second part oh, so in preparation then, if you really want to do the ritual that I'm going to get to here at the end of the show, and you really want to prepare your inner soil, um, then you must align with the things that you know you cannot live without. Um, And so that's this essence energy. So one of the how-tos could also be, if you're having trouble just tuning in to what essence energy you serve, is um, connect, try connecting to your child archetype inside many people are more aware of that inner voice than they are of essence energies that's a little esoteric for a lot of people so now let me be specific i am not talking about the wounded child which is a shadow energy but the child archetype the healthy happy child okay um and what you want to ask that child within yourself is what mattered to you so much that you were willing to be abandoned to be with it, or to get it. What mattered to you as a child so much? You were willing to go without dinner. You were willing to have everybody ignore you. You were willing to do anything to get to that energy. That is probably either your essence energy or something really close to it. So when we have a strong working relationship with the child, and we can ask the child that question, we often can begin to um, 
fairly quickly begin to assess what really are the essence energies in our life because they have been with us since our childhood. And these answers can guide us then to truly understand the essence energies we can't live without because knowing this is a key to to feeling that you're fully and richly living your soul's purpose. Okay, so that's the first part of preparing the soil, which is the sort of the the essence energy that gives your soil the power of the earth energy. Okay. Now the second part of preparing the soil has to do with fertilizing has to do with what are the energies that need to get plowed under and need to um, be returned to the soil to give up the form that they had and give back those nutrients and those energies back to the system um, so that they don't keep drawing resources away and that their building block pieces, their nutrient pieces are offered back so that something else can use them. So that, in other words, so the manifester has got some material to work with. So what fertilizes our inner soil? So this would be the release of the aspects of ourself that no longer serve us or the aspects of ourself that have been outmoded by our growth. In other words, this is the work of the winter, letting go of old dreams and ideas, letting go of attachments before those attachments die or begin to rot. It's letting go, stripping down, becoming simple again. It is the reason we talk about spring cleaning, very literally, because there is this need in the spring to clear this stuff out. So this stuff that we would clear out, be it the old clothes in our closet, whatever it is, this is the stuff. This holds the energy that needs to be released so that that energy can, so we are no longer wasting resources continuing to manifest it, but also so that those nutrients can go back into the soil of ourselves and be available energetically to be used to create, to build the new thing. So how would you begin to fertilize your soil starts with choosing to feel what you're really feeling. If you didn't do this over the winter, you'll need to do it now. And it requires feeling. Sorry, it does. And it is a willingness then to actually feel. And in doing that, we stir and disturb our inner emotional stagnation, our patterns, our habits, our assumptions, and our expectations. And we can often lift or clear our depression by being willing to feel the real feelings that lie underneath that deep, stinky, wet blanket of depression. And even if we're not talking about depression, the whole point of finding what's going to fertilize the soil for these seeds of your soul's purpose is just recycle every dang thing you can. Any aspect of yourself, any old idea, any old emotional pattern, any behavioral pattern, any ideas about God, any, anything you are no longer actively using, actively thinking about, intentionally putting energy into, all of it should be recycled. All of it should be turned back into the soil of your being to nourish that soil so that the seeds of your true dream now, today, can take root and can receive those nutrients and can 
can grow and have a strong root system and flourish and blossom. I mean, people wonder why they don't have any energy right now. I know we've got all these diagnoses and this and that and the other thing, blah, blah, blah. But the point is we've got way too much energy going into things and ideas and beliefs and emotional patterns and behavior patterns and ways of thinking about the world we're not using anymore. And yet they're still running. What are they running on? Our energy. These are all the rich, rich resources being sucked out of the soil of your being into things you don't even want to have happening anymore. For goodness sakes, you're paying your therapist weekly to try to learn not to do that. Right? So just recycle, people. Just recycle. Nourish, nourish, and fertilize the soil. So... And I strongly suggest that you do not depend on the lengthening hours of sunshine and the cherry blossoms to lift your depression. The general needs you to choose, to discern, and to act accountably to why you are here. So clearing stagnant energies and stagnant emotions can bring you to confrontation with your array of addictions and patterns and expectations and assumptions, which are also in the way of where the general wants to move now. So another Taoistic saying is addiction is lack of participation. So by not participating in what you are feeling and avoiding what you're feeling by whatever the addictive behavior is, um, we deeply um, are avoiding the intensity of our lives. So when you avoid the intensity of your life, the feeling of your life, your participation ends up being shallow. And the general is not pleased. So if I was a general, I wouldn't want a whole bunch of very shallowly engaged soldiers to send into action to manifest what it is I'm trying to manifest. I want people that are, yes, ma'am, what, how high and are ready to do whatever it is that I need done exactly when I want to do it without asking questions, arguing with me, or just simply saying, I don't have the energy, right? So What we're talking about here is giving up all of these excuses, all of these sufferings, all of these painful things, all of this stuff of yourself you are no longer using to fertilize the soil and get out of the general's way. So when we engage in addictive behavior to recreate the intensity that is true for us, it is an intensity that does not require feeling things that we don't want to feel and it is an intensity that robs resources from the general and the deep soul satisfying desire to manifest why you are here come hell or high water so we need to look to the essence of the soil within ourselves and the fertilization of the soil within ourselves and so then the most important part of preparing for this ritual then is to make sure that if we're going to plant these seeds, that we plant the right seeds. And these would be the seeds that resonate with our authentic true nature. So now, before you panic and give up, let me say this. In my humble life, which is just one life, and it is certainly not the truth of all things, but in my one humble life, at the most critical juncture of my life, when I course-corrected, and went after my soul's purpose, I committed everything 
100% of everything to that soul's purpose as if it were the absolute correct seed to be planting. And I was wrong. And it still put me smack dab right in the way of my soul's purpose. So do not dither about whether or not you are planting the right seeds. Plant your best guess for today. Or maybe tomorrow or the next day when you do this ritual. But plant the best seed, the best guess for you right now at this time. And if you commit yourself 100% to the manifestation of that best guess, it will take you where you need to go for a better guess. But to sit back and dither and wait for the perfection of knowing an absolute truth, precisely the exact right seed of your soul's purpose, your entire life will pass you by waiting for you to risk something. So find the thing that feels to resonate most with your own authentic true nature and plant that dang seed and give it a whirl. Come hell or high water. Let the marshal general the uh, forces, or let, the, let the general marshal the forces to manifesting those seeds that you are planting. So your true nature is another piece here that helps you to ascertain or to align with what is the right seed to plant for you at this time. So your true nature is who you are no matter the circumstances. Without it, if it were removed, you really wouldn't know what to do or how to live. It's like you wouldn't know how to go forward. We're all different. We all have different true natures. And we all actually approach things differently. That's why there's, you know, all roads lead to the same place, right? There are many, many ways to get to the similar places. There are many, many ways to do things, right? And this is because we all have different true natures and they're all perfectly excellent. So if it were removed from you, it's like you wouldn't have the program for how to go about doing things. So when you are engaged in the energies of your true nature, you also end up doing things in the way that has the greatest ease and inspiration and flow for you. And there's a feeling of your heart singing with the resonance when you do, um, when you're experiencing the energies of your true nature. So these are the things that you fo- that follow you through your whole life and through your life changes. They sometimes shape shift with you, but at the core, they remain constant. And so an example for me, one of the aspects of my true nature is dance. There are many phases of my life where my simple guiding principle has been when in doubt, dance. I mean, other people would pray, other people would, you know, talk to God, other people would do other much more practical things. But for me, many phases of my life, when in doubt, dance. No, it doesn't matter what your true nature is. What matters is that you have a sense of resonance with it and you know it when you find it. So without these energies of your true nature, um, you really don't know how to get through life, especially the challenging parts. And on the flip side, then, the energies of your true nature make life worth living, in a sense. They are the color and the flair and the spice that resonates with you. You know, not everybody has the same favorite color because our true natures are different. So to come into contact with any of these energies that are your true nature will make your heart sing 
and, and make you feel more drawn towards your own center and your true self. And this, of course, helps you then to, to be there next to and close to your soul's true purpose. All right, so that's the preparation. You're preparing the soil with the essence energy and with the nutrients, nutrients, and you're identifying the seeds that you want to plant. So let's take stock now in the actual preparation for your earth ritual. So I would suggest that you begin with those inexpensive tumbled crystals from a rock shop or any kind of small crystal, actually, or any kind of stone that you feel drawn to. And that you will need one stone for each seed that you want to plant. And I also suggest that you don't plant too many because we can't attend to too many things at once. But trust your instincts. And so you want to sort your dreams and focus only on those dreams that resonate with or require your true nature. And then spend some time with the seed, the stone. And you want to potentiate the energy in the seed or embody the energy of the seed in the stone. So you want to speak to the stone. Tell it of the dreams that you want it to carry for you to the earth. So it's not just the dream, but the job that you're giving to the stone or the crystal or whatever you're using to be the seed. So you can sing to the stone. You can speak to it. You can draw a picture and place the stone on it. You can draw on the stone. You can embody the feelings of the dream yourself in your own physical body and then rub the stone all over your body to collect it. These are many ways uh, to work with stones, to um, embody the energy in them so that they can carry the energy into the element that you are asking to um, transform that energy through the ritual. So tell it stories, sing to it, be creative about intending and affirming um, the energy of the seed into the stone the energy of the dream into the stone so that it becomes a seed. So remember, as you select these stones, that these are seeds that you will literally plant them, you know, so be willing to let go of them and remember to bring um, a small shovel or trowel. Okay. So now let's talk about your ritual. Now that you've prepared the soil within yourself and you've prepared your seeds by transforming these little stones through your stories and your clarity of your intention into seeds that you are. So so these are the preparation. And now we're going to the steps of the ritual. Um, And for this ritual, you'll also need a few other power objects as well as your small shovel and a place. Okay. So number one, so you want to go to the place that you've chosen out in nature where you will be relatively interrupted and have good access to earth literally. So this could be a huge root ball of an upturned tree at dusk, or it could be your your window box fresh with new soil that you've just secured outside your apartment window. Now it's up to you to decide. You may need to scout this place beforehand and you may need to do a little preparation beforehand and that's fine. So as you come to do the ritual, you enter the, this place or come to the place and leave a simple offering to the place and ask permission from the place to do your earth ritual, to plant your seeds of your soul's true purpose. And assuming that you get a resounding yes, when you ask permission to do the ritual, you are ready to begin and you would bow into the place. 
And so in this ritual, you would begin then, once you've bowed in, to call in the earth, the being, the whole planet, the big energy of the earth, not the element of the earth, but the being, the big planet. Call in the earth, the being, and when you feel that energy coming to you or can imagine it or can visualize it, place the power object on the earth to honor and receive the, the earth. So that's one power object you need. So then you repeat this process with the great spirits of the land. And so these are the spirits of the region that you live in. These are big regions. But they have to do with the energies that don't cycle through um, seasons with us, but that are the great energies that hold the space of the land that were here before humans and will be here after. So in the Pacific Northwest where I live, they are these huge volcanic mountains and these deep, deep rivers the coastal ranges and the cascade ranges and the the um coastline itself and this this interface between the land and this great ocean and then the spirit of the great forests which once stood here so these are all aspects of the great great um spirits of the land here so similarly you would call that energy in and when you can feel it or imagine it or visualize it you would place a power object to hold that energy then you would do the same thing for the spirits of the land, which would be the spirits of the land that are temporal and changing and moving through the seasons with you. And then finally, for the spirit of the place that you have chosen. So these are four power objects for each of these four um, levels of earth or land or manifestation of that energy. And so you place those objects so that they hold the space for you. So you're doing what you're doing with your seeds inside of this ring of these objects. And then at the power object, that is your spirit of the place, place your candle and light it and your water, little little container of water. Um, light the candle and ask that you can proceed in your earth ritual in balance. So then do a little standing meditation there in your circle, surrounded by these energies of the earth and the great spirits of the land and the spirits of the land and the spirits of this place. And they're all surrounding you. Do a little standing meditation until you settle completely into the soil of your being, into what you are doing. Make sure that you've grounded yourself in your body and that you've grounded your body to this place. And ask that you come into balance with yourself in this moment. And that you come to that place of deep inner balance and groundedness and simplicity and settle. So you moved into really connecting with the soil of your being. So then when you're ready, speak with power from your center. Or from that place of balance and groundedness. And in this earth ritual, you want to use minimum amount of words and maximum amount of focus and intention and silence. And so you would speak from your center and say, you know, this morning, today, tonight, whatever the timing is, I take a stand for my soul's purpose and its manifestation in my life. And you must speak this like you truly mean it. You are trying through the sincerity and groundedness and and complete connection with what you're saying to awaken the energy of the earth, the planet, to pay attention to you and to offer 
that energy up to help you. So you just one sentence tonight or whatever time I take a stand for my soul's purpose and its manifestation in my life and say it like you mean it. And the reason the timing is important is because timing is important. You want to start that sentence with whatever the now is this morning, this afternoon, this birthday, this solstice, this whatever. Okay. Timing is important. So then the next thing is make sure you settle. The next thing you would speak is I plant the seeds of my soul's purpose. And then as you plant each seed, name that seed as you plant it within that circle of the sacred space that you've created. So I plant the seed of my soul's purpose and name it and plant it. And then I plant the seed of my soul's purpose and then name it and plant it. And you can just do one or you can do several. I don't care how many seeds you use. Don't do too many because you can't tend all of those. But that's the sense. And when you're done planting, you would say these seeds, naming them, are my soul's purpose. And I ask the energy of the earth to help these seeds to take firm root now in my life to grow and to blossom. And then you want to sit on all of it, on the earth, on the seeds you've just planted. Sit in silent meditation until you feel balance and a commitment to the process of manifestation without attachment to any particular outcome so that you shifted into the manifestation piece and the dream and all the possibility. So then when, you're, when you've shifted to that place after the planting, then offer gratitude to all of the energies you called in to assist you, the spirit of the place, the spirit of the land, the great spirits of the land, the spirit of the earth, and any other energies that you've called in, and bow out, taking your power objects with you, except, of course, the seeds that you have planted. So the irritation and the restless energy that we feel in the springtime is more than cabin fever and a lust for newness. It is the energy of the inner dreamer awakening to dream true for us. And so may you clear the way for your deep inner dreaming. And may you ask the earth to help you to live those dreams that you were born to bring into the world. So thank you all for listening here today. I want to give thanks to the ancestors for gathering round and for all of the dreams that we planted, that they planted, so that we could be here today, the manifestation of those dreams. And may those ancestors help us in our own planting of dreams for the future and those who are coming. We give thanks to the earth below and the energy of the earth that will be there for each one of you should you choose to actually do this ritual. We give thanks to the sky above and to the heart energy energy that unites us all. So next week, our guest will be teacher, author, and shamanic practitioner Colleen Dietzman, and she will share some things from her book, The Hollow Bone, A Field Guide to Shamanism, and will also explore self-healing, which is something she has done a lot of exploration into. Um, We'll explore the unintentional things that we all do to disempower our self-healing and how we can better support others in their self-healing. 
So if you need information about classes or healing sessions with me or long-distance healing sessions with me, just go directly to lastmaskcenter.org. Don't Google it right now. Just go directly to it. And if you'd like to um, donate to the show, please go to whyshamanismnow.com. Thank you all and have a great week.